Welcome to Rock Bible Church. We're Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community. We're compelling ourselves and others to Christ in casual ways that welcome all to worship, being a community that serves the greater community. Let's pray, and, and, uh, and then we'll get going uh, in the uh, second half of Paul's instructions to Timothy. Lord, thanks for this morning, and thanks for your word. Thanks for what we sang that we can come to the altar. Thanks for being what Bryce called the need meter. Just struck me, Lord, that you meet needs. I, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, connect with us, help us to connect with you. And I pray that you would do that this morning uh, through your word, through your spirit, um, through what we hear, what we've sung. Uh, and, and then, Lord, um, bring us to the place you want us. Or draw our attention where you would have it. And, uh, and then, Lord, uh, let us enjoy you this morning. So, Father, be with your word. Um, may it bless and glorify you. Uh, in honor of your son, Jesus, we pray it. Amen. And we're second half of his second letter. And uh, Paul's been uh, quite the mentor to Timothy, and he's been working on some things. We talked about guarding the deposit that God has put in us, uh, chapter one, and then uh, last week we looked at um, getting uh, in God's game, like what what's he trying to accomplish? Like once, once you are established in who you are, chapter one, guarding what he's given you, then how do you participate? And uh, that was chapter two. Uh, today we're gonna look at truth a little bit. How do we continue in God's truth? Because uh, Paul... Um, it, it seems like has given Timothy a lot of information and we're closing out the, the end of two full letters of information and he's saying, hey, uh, truth, 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 truth. This is the key. Um, and so we're gonna get into some, some things here this morning and uh, look at some lists and whatnot and then um, we're gonna make some comparisons. And I like to joke sometimes that we wanna do uh, church uh, on the lowest level so everybody can understand it. Um, this might be a Sunday where we might be just a step out of kindergarten. We might might be into first or second grade this morning. So uh, we'll see. But Second uh, Timothy chapter three verse one. Here we go. Uh, but understand this: that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Have we any arguments with that? We were seeing that already, right? We have times of difficulty this last year. In fact, I can't, I can't tell you how many people have told me in the last week or so, hey, do you realize it's been a whole year since we really shut down? And then people like sharing the story of when it shut down, where they were, what they had to do. Some, you know, someone was telling me just yesterday, I had to, I had to travel back from Idaho. You know, All these different things um, that we deal with. Uh, Paul says, you know, this is normal. Almost like you should expect it. That's interesting because I've always liked to avoid problems, difficulty, discomfort. Can we just make them go away? No, Paul says, uh, no, expect it. Almost as if he's saying, how about you learn how to deal with it and deal with it well and then see what you can do. So this is where Paul's going with this, uh, with Timothy. Uh, verse two, for people will be lovers of self. Wait, uh, we're about to go through a really long list. And, and the simple question is, do you see this today? Do you see lovers of self today in culture? Um, 
Uh, lovers of money, yes. Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents. Insert Berglund family joke right there. Okay. Uh, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Very interesting. Any one of these items, we could talk about the value of it, the importance of it. What happens when you have it? What happens when you don't have it? Um, and I was, I was blown away. It was about a week ago uh, or maybe more. I was having a conversation with somebody who was trying to make the argument that self-control was of no value that we should be able to do whatever we want. And I just thought to myself, uh, how far off the reservation have we gone? Like how far off the path, how twisted, confused can we be that you have no self-control and that it's not even a pursuit, not even a value? Um, because we should be able to do whatever we want. Right? It's the age of uh, what we live in these days. Um, are these related I mean, they, Paul gives this massive list. I mean, Paul's a list guy, right? I mean, you go to his house, and he's got charts and graphs everywhere, probably. And what, But why the whole list? Like, why does he, does he have to name out each one individually because they're not related? Well, I got to mention this one because it's, it's really, it's very different than this one. Um, or is he listing them out because they're all related? Look at these. Look at how these all go together. So... I ask you this morning, those of you who have finished kindergarten, which one is it? Are you doing a whole bunch of different things or are we doing a whole set of things? And as is the tradition in most biblical stuff that we do at Rock Bible Church, I say which one and you say both. It's probably both. Are each of these things individual issues? Yes, they are. Are they related? Absolutely. They're not even adopted by each other. They're full blood in the same family. It's scary to me how much we see these these days. What's scarier is when I see it within the church or people that claim Christ. Uh, the scariest, anybody know? When I see this, scariest time when I see this. The mirror. Right? When I see it in the mirror, that's, that's the worst place to see it. Right? And I, I have noticed all of these things can come out of me. They can't. It, it, it takes very little work. These things can come out of me when I'm what? Not. When I'm not loving God, when I'm not approaching him, when I'm not thinking about him, when I'm not getting around people that do. Uh, this is the value of why we worship. Right? Why do we have this whole like uh, once a week church thing. It's like a little archaic, isn't it? Why do we have this pattern? Well, uh, best I can tell, God created everything in six days and on the seventh day he rested. So they, there was a pattern from the beginning. Yes, why? God must have designed us to function within pattern. Now here's the problem. That can become pattern. So let's pick our patterns, right? 
best fill-in that you won't have today, pick your patterns, okay? Pick your patterns. And it's kind of what Paul is um, getting at. Uh, so let's keep going. So they're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Oh, some church people, some Christians, some social media people, they like to claim that they're Christian. Oh, I believe in these things, or I, you know, I believe in these virtues or character or whatever. And then you watch what they do and you think to yourself, mm, total disconnect. And, and sometimes we see uh, Christians treat each other in ways that are just wrong. And I've, I've noticed it in so many different places. But one of the most uh, fun for me, uh, because I'm the coach, is on the soccer field. And the boys will show up and, you know, mom will come by or dad will come by and I can hear how the boys, how they're talking to their parents. And I let them know, hey, look, the way you talk to your parents around me will affect your standing on this team. We are not talking to our parents this way, not around me. And they look at me like I'm crazy. And I say, yes, I am. I am crazy. Uh, because I don't want to deny the power of God. I don't want to deny the power of our design of why character is a thing that actually builds in us the right things, the good things. And weird to me is that he says, when you see this, when you see people doing that big long list, avoid those people. Ooh, we just got permission. You do not have to join in what everybody's doing. Well, everybody's doing it. One of the dumbest arguments on the planet. Paul says, no, you don't have to do that. In fact, you don't have to be around those people. One of the greatest ways you can help someone with their learning curve is to walk away. Just walk away. When it's inappropriate, when it's abusive, when it's wrong, when it's ungodly, whatever it is, uh, just walk away. Now, is that our goal? Is it our goal to walk away from people? No, our goal is to love our neighbor. Amen? Yeah, we could say that a few times. Our goal is to engage with people in casual ways that welcome all to worship, compelling ourselves and others to Christ, right? We want to engage. God designed us to be with other people. In fact, he said at the very beginning, it is not good for you to be alone. But Jesus also said, when it gets ugly, when it gets dangerous, when it gets inappropriate, when people outright reject you, leave the town, wipe the dust off your feet. Don't throw your pearls before the swine. In order to do that, you have to figure out who the swine are. And hopefully they're not in the mirror, right? Which is usually where I find my swine. Uh, avoid such people, verse six, among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women. Is this saying that women are weak? Please, please understand this. There's every kind of person on the planet, right? You know, you, 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 you know, Uncle, Uncle Johnny, you know, there's, everybody has an Uncle Johnny. He's a little bit out there. You know, they say every crowd has one of this or that. Every crowd has a smart person. Every crowd has a weak person, right? It doesn't matter. The Bible is not making a statement about women. In fact, it's not really talking about women at all. What's it talking about? Those who take advantage of other people. Are there people on the planet who can be taken advantage of? Absolutely. Take a robocall from a scammer, right? Because apparently my social security number has been compromised many, many times. And if I don't act and call back now, then there'll be legal action against me. 
Amazing. Uh, those people are, are hurting these women, uh, and these women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. That's not about the women, it's about the people who are taking advantage of them. Look at this phrase, though. Always learning, but never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. That almost became a fill-in this week. The idea that you can be learning all the time and still be 100% off. Well, that doesn't make sense. How does that work? You're learning the wrong things. You're pursuing the wrong things. Well, I thought pursuing things is how we grow. Yes, but Paul just gave us a huge list of things that you could pursue that hurt you and others and, and damage your relationship with the Lord. You can learn how to do those things, and you can learn to get really good at them. In fact, that is what the internet is in many senses. About 2% of the internet is beneficial. The other 98 is heading you down the wrong path. Right? That's a discussion for another time. Uh, avoid those people, right? Just as Giannis and Jambres oppose Moses, so these men also oppose you? No, what do they oppose? They oppose truth. That's weird. Let's say they oppose God, doesn't oppose you, doesn't oppose uh, Moses. In fact, it implies that not, they weren't necessarily opposing Moses, they were opposing truth. Now, let's, let's pretend, uh, let, let's eliminate all disciplines except for logic, okay? So we've just gutted our heart and we've set it aside, okay? Uh, we're not going to talk about art or any of these other disciplines. We're just going to do a basic logic exercise. Is it possible to oppose truth? There's... Some would say you can try, but there's no real way, logically, to oppose truth, right? Which is funny to me because um, we're doing it, and we're doing it all the time, right? They want to say that the landing on the moon never happened, right? That the world's not round, that water isn't wet. My kids came home. One time, apparently this went over the internet and was like trending and all that kind of stuff. And praise the Lord, I spent no time on it. But my kids came home with this argument about how water is not actually wet. Water creates a sensation of, I don't know. They started going crazy with this argument. All these details. How do you argue against truth? Uh, we're doing it with a lot of things. Uh, we do it with uh, politics. We do it with finances. We do it with experience. Uh, we do it with chemicals and our bodies and the whole thing. We do it with gender. We do it with all kinds of stuff. We're just gonna we're gonna say, well, truth isn't really truth. <laughs> what? That's like saying green isn't green. That doesn't work. the The worst time is when we oppose God. Right. That's how we really get in trouble. Uh, I just want to make sure that we saw this wasn't about opposing people because you're going to feel opposed at times. You recognize that's an issue with them because they're opposing truth rather than you. You're just the victim. You're just, it's being taken out on you, right? 
and and oh the joy the pain, the peace the calm that you can have when you recognize this is not a you issue when people oppose you part of what paul i think is trying to train timothy in his journey towards manhood and maturity like what will you really let bother you you can take everything personally or you can recognize that some, most of the time it's other people that have issues and you're, you're a spectator. You have front row seats. Congratulations. And the tickets were free. Um, problem is you're in the splash zone. Right? Front row tickets are awesome. Unless it's the splash zone. How do you deal with it? You're going to get wet. Because water's wet. Okay? Uh, having the appearance of godliness, but opposing the truth. Right? That's that whole slide. Let's move on to verse uh, 9. Uh, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. Ouch. Claiming faith, but they have disqualified themselves. That's kind of scary that you could disqualify yourself from faith. How do you do it? Um, you pursue everything but faith. And God says, oh, let me honor your decision. Uh, but, verse 9, they will not get very far. Amen. Let's sing. Amen. Uh, they're not going to get very far. How far have you gotten? When you do dumb stuff, when, <laughs> when you oppose truth, when you oppose people, I mean, it, be, it turns into conflict and, and, and negative energy, and it goes nowhere. But they think if they just work harder at it, I'll just try harder to get my own thing. Uh, they're not going to get very far. Why? For their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You know, usually the only person that's deceived is the one that's doing it. Everybody around watching, they look and they say, eh, something's not right there. Even if they can't put a, a total definition on it, they really can't put their finger on it, they know, like, eh, something's going on there that's not good. I think I'll stand way over here. It's obvious. Uh, so don't do it. Verse 10, you, however... You see the transition? You, however, so what's he telling Timothy? This isn't you. What we've just talked about, first nine verses, we know that's your experience around you, but just because that's experience around you, don't do that. Don't be that, right? The however is the clue, right? We're gonna do something different. You have followed my teaching. What, what's the core of teaching? Truth. Right? Information? Right? You followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium. Uh, boy, he likes lists, doesn't he? What are, what are all those things? What were they? They were disciplines. Were they focused on self? Was Paul trying to prop himself up, increase his value? Was he doing selfish in all those things? No, he was being steadfast, love for other people, faith in God, my patience, right? These are all difficult things, right? And he says, uh, by the way, when I tried to do all these things, I had tons of opposition, I felt so good when I was reading over this, studying this, getting prepared for today. You know why? Because I felt like I wasn't alone. Watch this. 
He said, I had persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and then next slide he's going to say Lystra. Three towns, three places, three cities. He's getting opposition in three different ways. I get a little opposition in the Tri-Valley and I, I, I start to crumble. Paul's getting opposition everywhere. You ever heard the phrase, well, if you're getting opposition, you must be doing something right. I, I sometimes forget how much Paul had to deal with. It's not just his own personal faith, but then the response of culture around him. It can't handle that. You know, when you do something good, when you do something well, beneficial, a blessing to community or city or, and other people see it, they love it, but then there's a little bit of what? A little bit of, oh, they're better than me. A little bit of jealousy, right? A little bit of, oh, how come they're doing that? Oh, they probably think they're all great now. It's that weird negative first list coming out. That competitive thing. Uh, watch this, he what he says, in spite of all that, the, the which per persecutions I endured. I lasted. Part of your job is to last. Yet from them all the, all the Lord rescued me. Does God see what you're going through? in three different towns? Does God see what you're dealing with when you uphold truth? When you fight against negative, when you fight against opposition, we try to stand your ground when you stay calm and you be patient for the love of others? Is God watching? Absolutely. He take care of you? Okay, people at home, no one here answered that. Make sure you at home can at least answer that. God's taking care of you, for sure, right? It doesn't always feel like it, but then it wouldn't be the first time our hearts led us astray, right? Our hearts lie to us at times, uh, and so does our mind too. Verse 12, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Happy Sunday. Oh, this... Is that an absolute statement? Because that looks like an absolute statement. I studied just enough English to be dangerous and to try to pick up a little Greek and Hebrew. That looks like an overarching, all-encompassing umbrella statement. If you try to live a godly life in Jesus, you'll be persecuted. God, is that how this is supposed to work? Yeah, because uh, I like to cook my food because it makes it better, right? You're just being cooked, not to be eaten by God. Don't take the analogy too far, okay? Uh, but he's working on us. One of the ways he works on us is, is letting us see the whole of life rather than just putting blinders on us. He says, no, I'm going to let you see all of it. Now, you're going to deal with some persecution. You're going to have some difficulty, some hardships. But part of it, I believe, he wants us to see what it's like to be him. What does he deal with? People that reject him, mock him. His own creation doesn't follow him. His own people for generations have continued to turn away from him. In fact, that's what the whole book of Hosea is. Hey, I want you to go marry a prostitute so you can see what it's like to be me. 
my people cheat on me all the time. Fascinating. Verse 13, while evil people and imposters go on from bad to worse, that's the progression that they're in, right? Always learning. Uh, deceiving and being deceived. That's a scary place to be when you figure out that you've been deceived and you've been deceived by someone who is deceived as well. Now you're not just lost, you're lost, lost. You, you ever been in a situation where you don't even know where north or south or left or right are? It happens very seldom, but every once in a while, I've been in such a deep sleep, right? Ain't got any deep sleepers out there? I'll wake up and I'll think to myself, where am I again? You ever been in a situation where you, you can't remember what's up or down? Like you, you're in some kind of water accident, you go down a waterfall or you fall out of the boat and you're spinning in the water and there's bubbles everywhere and for a split second, it's like, do I swim this way or that That's the kind of thing he's talking about, right? Being deceived. Verse 14, but as you, as for you, continue in what you have learned. Earlier he said continue in the teaching. He obviously learned it, right? It's a subtle compliment to Timothy from Paul. And learning is about what? Having a good teacher? No. How dare you not value teachers? No, that's not what I'm saying. We love teachers, and good teachers make things so much better. But primarily, it's about not about good teachers. Why? Because I've had a lot of bad teachers, and I've still learned things. So what is learning really about? Is it about you? No, because if you don't get it, doesn't mean there wasn't something to get just means you didn't work at it or you lost patience or you didn't try, right? Well, I'm not smart enough. That's a lie. Put some time and effort into it. It might take you more than one day. <gasps> That's called work. So what's learning about? Hint, it's the same thing that teaching's about. Truth. Truth is one of the few things that you could actually bank on. And yet, it's one of the things our culture is starting to question more than anything. Right? Pretty much whatever is projected on television right now is outside of truth. Politics, commercials, sitcoms, dramas, comedies. It's as, as a semblance of the truth, but actually denying its power. That's kind of scary what we're, a bit, we're, we're a, uh, capable of coming up with. All right, so continue on what you learned and have firmly believed. You learned it, but then he also had to make another decision. I understand the equation of truth, but do I actually believe it? That's a whole other learning curve. Knowing from whom you learned it. See, now here's where the good teacher comes in. A good teacher that exemplifies something, not just gives you truth, but shows you is the value of Jesus. I, I hope that we understand as Christians, um, as much as we love Christ on the cross and what he accomplished and what that does for us, as valuable to us is the life he led, the examples, the teaching, 
that he set before us that we could say, ooh, that's how you do it. Let me try walking like that, right? Because he did it. Verse 15, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. Ooh, we don't say sacred writings anymore. What do we say? Bible? The Testaments? We say scriptures, maybe? Um, what's, what's the key to sacred writings or scripture or Bible? Hint, it's the same thing as teaching and learning. Sacred writings are about God's truth that he imparts to us. <laughs> you guys, it's going to be rough for you, but here, let me give you a little truth to make it go better, right? To help it go better. Um, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Apparently, we can have salvation. That's amazing. And we can have faith in Christ Jesus. Do you know what else is offered there that we have kind of skipped over and probably don't value as much? Because we're at church and we think, oh, are you saved? Do you have faith? Those are big, big, important questions. In the same list, wisdom. You realize that the sacred writing, scripture, the Bible, what God teaches, what Jesus said, what Paul wrote down, all of these people, is for more than just your salvation. It's, it's for more than just your faith. Because believing something will happen is a little different than understanding why or understanding how. You know what we did? We just sucked in all the scientists. What? Science and faith? Yes, they were meant to go together, actually. See, there is wisdom to everything that goes on. That's part of why we have the sacred writings. is so that we can learn how to think and make sense of it rather than just to have blind faith and wander around and hope, oh, God's going to take care of me. Right? You've heard about these people that won't take any medicine because they want God to heal them. Well, maybe God was going to heal you by giving you a doctor in medicine. Free access to it. A couple blocks away, and all you got to do is pay a $15 copay. And you're, you're waiting for God to just solve it on his own? Because you want a miracle in every instance of your life. That's great. So God does all the work, and you're expected to do nothing other than just sit there and believe. Doesn't work that way, folks. And I got a verse. As Paul says, no, how about you be wise also with your salvation, with your faith? When you do this, you could lose your arm. Don't do that. No, God will protect my arm. No, every other person that has done this has lost an arm. Yeah, but God, God loves me and he's going to protect you. Yes, he loves you and so he gave you a brain so that you would know not to do that what the other 100 people lost an arm for. Verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God. We call this inspired. And I need to spend some time on this. Because the, the number of people is growing that believe that the Bible was written by men. Really? Well, maybe there was a woman or two in there. I know, I get it. We got Hebrews. There's a couple other places where there's great arguments for women writing. 
But if it's just by men or a couple women, it's just a bunch of humans writing down some ideas. How do I know it's truth? The fastest way for us to discredit the Bible is say we got it only from men or just from men. A little sprinkling of women. No. Because then the Bible is just writings. That's not what Paul calls them. He calls them sacred writings. It's not just a bunch of stuff that guys came up with. No, they were inspired. In fact, they never could have written it if the Holy Spirit and God hadn't said, uh, here's what you're writing. And, and I'm, I'm awestruck at some of the people who claim faith as leaders and pastors, and yet their view of Scripture is questionable in my mind. You see, because if you don't believe that the, the, the Bible is inspired by God, well, how could it be inspired by God, Scott? There was a bunch of councils that put together these over several generations in different places, and they pick which letters, and, the, and there were other books that didn't get in. Well, uh, why not? Because God didn't want them in. They used a whole bunch of different people, a whole bunch of different councils. Why? So that it wasn't just one person. Moses didn't get to decide what the whole Bible looked like. But when we say it's not inspired, that it's not breathed out by God, then you can start asking other questions about the Bible. Well, does it have errors? Is it fallible? That means, does it have failures in it? Folks, I believe this with all my heart. The Bible has no errors. Does it have inconsistencies? Yes. Wait, that sounds like you just contradicted yourself, Scott. No, I didn't. I contradicted you. The inconsistencies are in your understanding of what I would call perfect. God's word is perfect, infallible, inspired. It is the direction, it is his truth for us. Because we can't always understand it, or we think a word got misplaced, or they used it a different time here than a different time there, or some of the translations look a little different, that's on us, our lack of understanding, our lack of information, our lack of, what's the word for the day? Truth. I have pastor friends that say, no, it's not infallible. Go sell cars. Go sell stinking cars. If you don't believe the Bible is not infallible, that it's perfect in every way for leading, we'll look at this, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be what? Complete. How are we going to get complete from fallible? Well, that's when the Holy Spirit walks in and does his thing. Oh, so God's going to do perfect with the Holy Spirit in you, but God wouldn't do perfect with the Holy Spirit in writing the scriptures in the first place. How inconsistent do you want your God to be? Well, I don't know, Scott, but can you calm down? <laughs> I get a little excited, right? My wife tells me from time to time, she's like, wow, you were a little bit on edge today. I am. I have a tendency for that first list. Uh, but I love this because he, he says, look, reproof, uh, you're, you're checking stuff. Teaching, you're learning truth. Correction, when you've made mistakes. Righteousness, where you're going. Every direction the Bible is good for. 
God's truth is good for every direction in your life. It's so wonderful. That a man of God may be complete. Well, why men, Scott? Why not women? Because it's a guy writing to a guy and get off your stupid gender issues. It's not about that. Should, could this say that a woman of God may be complete? Yes, it could. In fact, I would argue that is what it's saying. We're talking about humans, folks. I mean, can we go back to the just logic? Take all the other disciplines, set them apart, set their heart apart, set art over here, right? Just logic. Where did woman come from? The rib? They're from the same place. They're the same. They have different functions in many ways. But we're not changing value. Like one's more valuable than the other. But it is okay for a guy to write a letter to a guy and for them to use terms that the two of them understand. It's okay for us to have a brain that God gifted us and said, hey, be wise and recognize the lesson that's being taught here rather than getting stuck on some of the minute details. That's what humans do when they're trying to be divisive and mess things up. That the man of God may be complete, and then watch this, equipped for every good work. Whoa. I want so... I want to be able to walk into any environment and be a blessing. If I know nothing about that discipline, if I know nothing about that job, if I know no one in the room, I want to be able to walk into any environment and as Judy says it, bring kingdom. I bring kingdom wherever I go. Whether I'm talented or not, I get over my insufficiencies or my insecurities or my lack of faith or whatever, I show up and I try so that something good could happen in every situation. How am I gonna do that? With a perfect set of truth in God's word a perfect God, a perfect spirit. And I'm headed down that road trying to figure out what complete looks like. Well, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Amen. Okay, so this morning we have the longest fill-ins of all time at Rock Bible Church, right? I know normally it's like five or six words and I give you one or two fill-ins. This morning was just too much fun and you could tell I've been a little, a little excited. Um, at this idea of how do you continue in God's truth? Because that's a complex thought. Rather than just give you, you know, 10 easy steps. Read your Bible, pray. No, I need a little more than that. Right? Truth starts, this is number one. Truth starts. I like this. Truth has to start somewhere, doesn't it? Like someone tells you, or you read it, or you question something that's not working. I say, that can't be true. It's not working. Where does it start? It starts with expecting, recognizing, and avoiding the opposition and denial of God. What? What's, what's man? That's a very complex. Yes. Uh, what's truth? Truth is any is recognized. That where it starts is when you recognize when something opposes God. Well, that, that wouldn't be true. That would be false. True. You catch that? If I found something that was opposite of God, then it would be false. That's true. 
You just backed into truth. You just started off the process. Anything that denies God or opposes God, it will actually point you to truth in a negative way. But you should expect it. Why? Paul says in this life you'll have trouble, right? Anybody who follows Christ in faith will have difficulties, right? You got to expect it, recognize it, and then it says avoid these people. We avoid the negative, we avoid the false when it comes to truth and information, right? I dug that out of verses um, 5 and 8. 14 through 16, give us the second one. Uh, make the connection. There's a connection Paul wants Timothy to make here, and it would be good for us to make the same connection. Make the connection between the wisdom of truth, Scripture, and faith. Remember he said he wants us to be wise, right? Use our brains. Make the connection that, of wisdom that is from truth, Scripture, and faith. Make the connection with God breathing life into you. Truth is meant to actually breathe life into you. It's very subtle. Paul said it, you know, all Scripture is breathed out by God. Breathed out, why? For reproof, correction, teaching, righteousness. What, what, he's breathing life into you. And folks, get the analogy. Get the imagery, right? Adam was, he was formed, but he wasn't anything. And how did God bring Adam to life? How did he, how did he bring him in? He, he breathed into him. I said, you, you can have an Adam-type experience. God can breathe life into you. And it's not from coming to church every Sunday. It's, far, it's from pursuing him. Right? You sang it this morning. Oh, come to the altar. You see why Bryce is the worship leader? Right? Uh, why? Why, oh, come to the altar? Why? Why come to the altar? Why, why would they come to the altar? Sacrifice? I got a little animal, I'm going to kill it, and I'm going to sprinkle its blood around, and I'm going to give uh, the leftover body to the priest. I'm going to do a little sacrifice. Is that why we come to the altar? Who's at the altar? It's God. They're coming to engage with God. To find truth, to, to get wisdom, right? And say, God, breathe into me. I will give up the things I called important. I will end them and donate them to have you replace them in me with life. Breathe into me. There's such great imagery for this morning. Oh, come to the altar. Um, and that's really what God wants you for you is he, want, he wants you to, to have life and in, in, in wisdom through true scripture and faith. And then lastly, um, he closes out with this idea, the gain of God's word is growth, gifting, and giving. The gain of God's word is growth, right? This is, what does it say in that last section there, verses 16 and 7? It's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction. What, are you, what, what is that? That's growth. Training in righteousness, right? Gifting, that every man may be complete and then it says equipped what's that gifting god wants to instill in you talents abilities capacity wisdom so that you're equipped so that you can do things right 
Uh, and then what do you do with that growth and gifting? You start giving. Doesn't quite say it like that though, Scott. I know, but I wanted to use a bunch of G words. Okay. Welcome to having nerd pastor. Um, and if we say it differently, you'll think about it more. Right? Gain turns into giving. What what's our general pursuit as humans? Gain. More. How much money is enough? More. Right? I want ice cream. I want to be comfortable. We, we pursue gain. And Paul is in a subtle way and complex way explaining how we, we can shift from pursuing gain to becoming givers. How great, like what Bryce said earlier, if, if, uh, if he's a need meter and your needs are met, you know, you know what's left for you? Needs are met. You're free. You can, you can start giving now. You can, you can start investing in other things. One of the greatest way, things that comes out of uh, Jesus' death on the cross, uh, uh, sacrifice and uh, resurrection, his forgiveness of our sin, is, is it solves all the biggest problems, all the biggest questions. It, it, it removes the anxiety of, whoa, what's my value? What's my future? When that's all settled and firm foundation, and you're calm about that, what are you free to do from that point on? <laughs> Anything. Let's re-landscape the church, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Let's start a new business. Let's start a family. Let's go help someone. Great opportunities for us. Uh, we do that by continuing in the truth, amen? Uh, what are you questioning? What do you doubt? What truth could you hold on to? If you ask God right now, hey, let's, let's, let's pray. Let's do this. Let's pray right now, and let's, let's have you do a little exercise. Um, ask God, God, what, what truth do you want me to sit in? Just sit in the middle of truth. What would God like to grow in you? How? What gifting would he like to give you? And then where could he take you with it? It might be easier to think, uh, what are you afraid of? What do you hope for? Father, thank you that you have all things covered. And forgive me for questioning that regularly. For falling short in my thinking, falling short in my feeling. For my reasoning, Lord, my lack of logic at times, Lord, for my denial of truth and pursuit to deceive and be deceived. Pray, Lord, you protect us from that within ourselves and then 
uh, recognize it outside of ourselves and, and do everything we can to turn back towards you to what we see in you, experience in you, understand from your word that you might perfect us and, and lead us to that promise you just gave us of completion. I pray, Lord, that we would hear that and recognize it's a statement about before we die. There's some level that you call completion that we can attain. I pray, Lord, you help us to get there. Help us to help others get there. So, Father, thank you for uh, the opportunity at truth. Thank you for the opportunity at worship. Thank you for the offering we're about to receive, Lord. Pray you bless it. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Love it. May you pick the pattern of his truth. Amen? Go with him.